Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Real World Productivity Podcast. I'm Adam Moody, and today I'm talking with Grant Bledsoe, a business financial planner who knows the power of time management and automation uh, to grow a team. So first of all, welcome, Grant. Hey, Adam. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, definitely. Well, we're just going to jump right into it. Uh, my first question is really about you, uh, your background, your experience, just so people can get on the same page and kind of know where uh, you're coming from. So if you don't mind, can you tell us a little bit uh, about yourself just in terms of your background and experience? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Happy to. So, um, so my day job, I, I own and operate a financial planning firm, um, Three Oaks Capital Management. And what, what that means, I, I think most people probably have a cursory understanding of what financial planners, financial advisors do. Basically, we work with a lot of small business owners and help them squeeze the most juice out of their resources. And, and so what that means is cash flow management, both on the business and the personal side, uh, tax planning, investment management, retirement plan management, anything that really touches your finances. We, we help people plan for and really align in a way that propels them financially closer to whatever it is they want to do and, and whatever they, they want out of life. Um, I, I've, I've had the firm open for about six years. Um, I, I had a, a Wall Street trading job prior to that for about seven, and my background is in uh, finance and investments. So, um, we, in in building the, the 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 firm over the years, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a personal relationship with each and every one of our clients, and so the, the limiting factor in growing the business is time. And, and you can only fit so many appointments and so many meetings with clients and prospective clients into a week and being really thoughtful about how productive we are around uh, in the time that we're spending outside of those one-on-one -on -one meetings directly helping people uh, is pretty pivotal to, to growing the business. So we've really had to be thoughtful about that over the years through technology and delegation and, and building a, a team around that concept. And hopefully we've got a a few things I've picked up along the way that'll be useful to, to anyone listening to this. Awesome. Well, yeah, we're definitely going to dive into that. I've got some questions about that. Um, so with, you know, time management or productivity, was this stuff you covered while you were, you know, in, in school or college or has it been what I would call like on the job training? I am trying to think back to school, but I'm, pretty confident it's been 100% on the job. Yeah. Uh, my, my professional experience prior to launching the firm was all on the institutional trading side. And so, you know, any Wall Street movie that you've seen with this, this big massive room and a bunch of desks and a bunch of screens in front of you and the phone going off all the time was, was kind of what I was doing. And the, the, the time management side of it there is, is just trading hours, trying to cram as much as you can into the day while the markets are open. Uh, unlike the Wall Street movies that you see, there weren't like people running around with their hair on fire and papers <laughs> flying in the air and that kind of stuff. But uh, in in launching the firm, it's been pretty much 100% on the job. Gotcha. So I'm curious about this. Maybe hopefully, well, hopefully somebody else out there is or else they're going to have to listen to this anyways. But, you know, you see in the movies, you know, there's lots of noise. There's lots of movement going on. And for me, that sounds like it would be such a tough way to operate. Um, you know, how how do you do that? Or is it just that what you're doing, you can kind of t either tune it out or, or what's going on there? Well, let, let me, let me uh, take a step back. That, that was, that was the old life and a totally different job. And, mm -hmm. and so what we're doing there is, is managing portfolios for large institutional clients and their, and, and the volume of trade uh, trades in a day is, is very, very high. And so you have to move pretty rapidly to stay on top of what's going on and, and get done 
what needs to be done in the day. With the financial planning firm, it's totally different. We're not rapid fire trading that doesn't lead people to good investment outcomes, according to all the empirical data and the research. So very simply, we don't do it because we're in the business of helping our clients reach the, the optimal destination for them. So that, that's, that's kind of how it operates on the institutional side. But, but now our, our efforts from a productivity standpoint are more, you know, I, I've got kids, you know, I've got a young family. I don't want to be working, you know, 70 hours a week or anything like that. We're all kind of limited by the number of hours that we put into the work week. So how do we engineer those hours in the most effective way? And how do we, um, how, how do we accomplish things with fewer hours required by some automation and technology and, and thoughtful processes. Gotcha. Okay. Well, then I think you'll probably agree with this. Um, I'm not sure who originally said it, but Matt Barnett, uh, he founded Bonjoro, was on the podcast a month or two ago. And he said, you know, we automate uh, the process, not the relationship. So I'm willing to guess that that's right up your alley and something you've worked to, especially as you, you've grown. So can you speak to that a little bit? Because obviously you're talking about growing those relationships. So what have you done to automate the rest of it? Yeah, that's a, that's a really wise thing to say. I don't think I've heard the quote before, but I, I like it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's with, with our, our staff and, and we have a small team. It, it's myself. I'm the, only, I'm the only principal and the only advisor and, and we have two employees. Mm-hmm. And the, the relationship that we have is a team of three and each and every relationship with our clients, that is, is not and it will never be on autopilot. It's, it's a human relationship and that's what all this is based on. But all the work that happens in between, let, let's say we're, we're managing um, a portfolio for a client and they need to make a contribution or take a distribution and, and, and pull some money from it. Well, there are a couple things that might need to happen. You might need to draft a form. You might, have, you might need to have the client sign that either physically or electronically. There might be a couple other steps involved too. You might have to sell a security within the account to raise the cash uh, necessary for the distribution. There, there's multi-steps there. The relationship with the client and the relationship we have as, as a team is uh, so fundamental and so important that that's never going to be automated. But all the stuff that happens, the, the, the processes, we don't want as a team to be spending time figuring out how to do that stuff on the fly. We, we want to have an institutionalized workflow where we can reserve our brain space and our attention and our energy for relationship stuff. If that makes any sense. No, that, that definitely does. And I think as, as you grow that that becomes more and more important and that, you know, at some point it becomes important for your, your team as well. Uh, And it's something I've seen in my uh, life as well as trying to uh, grow my businesses. And while I still do consulting on the side and saying, you know, obviously it's consulting, there's a high, amount of relationship building in there. And if you're busy implementing and doing you, you can't spend that time doing that. Definitely understand. So I guess out of uh, the automated or at least the highly templated or processized things you've done, is there anything that you are like, this is the thing that (laughs) everyone should do, or at least, you know, maybe other financial planners or like, what's a good example of something you guys have implemented? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, I might categorize that in, in two sections, one, mm-hmm. one kind of like a uh, higher level and then another uh, specific tool that we use in my practice that I think would probably be helpful to anybody uh, in, in the business world. So, so at a, at a high level and, and the, maybe I'll give, I'll give two things um, sure. in, in the first category. 
First off, you know, time blocking is big. I'm sure we've all heard of it. But if, if you have 50 things that you have to get done in a given week, you don't want to do all 50 every day. You know, if, if you have the opportunity to bucket them together and focus your energy and find some kind of routine and groove and hammer out those, those common tasks uh, once a week, that's, it just makes you so much more effective. And again, the concept is, is just trying to preserve your mental energy and your, your brain space for more important stuff. And that's been effective. It's kind of hard. It's been hard for me to stick to, but my, my week is, is generally Mondays uh, are for uh, meetings with the team, get everybody kind of lined up for the week. And then the rest of the day is marketing. Tuesday through Thursday, we meet with clients. We meet with prospective clients and we prepare and do other client work trading, financial planning, uh, building financial plans, modeling, that, that kind of stuff. And then Fridays, I just kind of keep open because when I've, over the years, as I've tried to develop this stuff, if you're too rigid with the calendar, I found that it just always breaks. And, and, I, and I just need some kind of flexibility and uh, free day that's open to just service stuff that comes in that I didn't anticipate beforehand. So that's that's probably not too... Uh, that's probably n- not anything new for your your listenership, uh, but that's been very helpful. No, but we don't talk about that a whole lot, and I think that that is a fantastic idea. And whether it's by design or just kind of trying to leave your calendar open, having that flex time is super important. Uh, I think that's something I should probably talk about more. Um, and I do the same thing on Fridays. I try to keep at least part of the day, if not the majority of the day, open so that, yeah, you know, something always comes up or in a good case scenario, hey, there's not a lot on, I can push it off and uh, take the day off, you know, every once in a while and, you know, take some downtime or read a book. So yeah, I think that's really important. Yeah, Yeah, time blocking is is one of those things that's so simple conceptually. And for me, it's been so challenging to execute on over time. I, I work with a business coach who's been pretty helpful and kind of putting my feet to the fire in that regard, mm-hmm. uh, which helps, but it's, it, yeah, it just kind of develops on its own over time. If you exert consistent effort toward it. So let's talk about the actual time blocking. When you do this, I'm just curious, and I'm sure other people want to know, do you, uh, is it like Google calendar? Do you use pen and paper? Do you use other tools? Is it daily, weekly? What kind of system do you have? We, the way I do it, we, we use uh, the Microsoft 365 mm-hmm suite for our email communications and calendaring and everything. And then I use schedule once for automated uh, calendaring. The way that I try to mark it off is I block time well in advance uh, for specific items. And so I, I know that I've got, and I have a podcast and I have a blog and there are these other marketing things that we do. And I block time off for, uh, for that on Mondays and I don't have, you know, 11.30 to 12.30 is record this week's podcast. I have like, you know, 11 to 4 is reserved for weekly marketing activities. And, and so it, it's, again, I don't want to be so rigid and, and so granular with it all that uh, because what tends to happen for me is when I do that, um, something will slip, you know, the podcast goes 30 minutes long and then the rest of it just kind of falls apart. And so I, 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 I want to reserve the time for a group of activities without being too specific. I think that's, no, that's a great way to do it. And I, I've heard both sides. I think, uh, I think the last person I saw recommend this was like Ramit Sethi or something and was like, you know, I have things down to the minute. And I was yeah. like, okay, well that clearly like, you know, is either some next level stuff that I'm just not there yet. Or like, I don't think that's going to work for a lot of people. And I, I tend to agree with you like blocking 
literally blocking time works for me as well because having not only uh, do you not have those times where you kind of wreck your day by going outside of the uh, bounds there, but also having those longer blocks of time, I feel allows for a lot better results in terms of you're kind of getting in that flow when you have 90 minutes or more, you can really get kind of deeper into what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's how it's worked for me. Remit is, is on a different planet. (laughs) It just kind of makes me think that I'm just doing stuff wrong, but I mean, it could be the fact that that, that works for him and, and it's just a function of figuring out what, what works for you. Definitely. Yeah. And I will say I've gotten some great ideas from him over the years and reading his blog and, and things like the little things he does are, can be game changers. Like um, it, this stuff sounds so simple and I did this started years ago, but now I look back and I was like, how was I not doing this in my calendar, having these events, but then having to go and open up everything instead of like, Oh man, if I just put the links I need in my calendar, I don't have to spend five minutes and drive and then another five minutes in Dropbox looking for something. Um, so like, you know, he's got some pretty interesting stuff out there, but let's, uh, let's circle back. So you were talking about high level and we brought up time blocking. What else? Yeah. The the other thing that's been really helpful, a really helpful concept for me, high level is, and I don't know who to attribute this quote to, but it's, it's about entrepreneurship. And the first rule of entrepreneurship is figure out what your highest value activity is. And the second rule of entrepreneurship is delegate everything else as soon as you possibly can and focus on that high value activity. And like we were getting at earlier in, in my business, it's time is the constriction. And if I can get all the, the back office stuff, all the non-essential, at least essential for me to be doing uh, individually off my plate and free up my calendar to go uh, see more people or work with more clients that, that just allows us to grow faster and expand the business uh, a little bit faster. And that concept has been really helpful. And when I say delegate, you know, we have a small team. It's, it's myself plus two. We use a lot of technology and this kind of gets into the other thing we were, we were talking about earlier in specific tools, um, especially in financial planning. Um, FinTech it has gone through a lot of evolution over the last decade or so. And for those of us you might not know, when you say FinTech, what are you referring to? Oh, sure. I, I mean, financial technology. And, and so all the, there are, there's a lot of activity in Silicon Valley um, toward providing financial tools for consumers and also financial tools for advisors who are serving consumers. Mm-hmm. And so for, for independent financial advisors uh, like myself, there is, there is a huge menu of really powerful tools available on the market today. The downside of that is you have a lot of stuff to choose from and your, your, your stack, quote unquote, of stuff that you select to use in your practice in servicing your clients is can be very unique and, and specific firm to firm. And so the problem is, is those systems don't always talk to each other. And, and so, for example, we, we have one system that's our, our CRM, our, our client relationship management system. And it's our Rolodex. It keeps track of uh, birthdays and notes from our client meetings and what portfolio each client should be in and all that stuff. And then we have another system. We use Zoom to do these monthly webinars. And then we have a third system to produce um, a, a registration page where if somebody want, is interested in the webinar, this is where you go to sign up for it. Mm-hmm. It would be really time consuming to have all that information 
kind of work in or all those platforms work in silos. And so we use Zapier, which is a tool that kind of lays over all of it and allows us to create these automated workflows to have all those systems talk to each other. So we, 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 for example, we do these monthly webinars, we have a landing page and we through a, uh, a zap is what they call it, but this automated workflow provided by Zapier, we build this logic in where when somebody registers for the webinar, they're automatically added to the email list to remind them about the webinar an hour before it starts. And that's a pretty simple example, but we have these more ornate workflows kind of working in the margins and in the seams of these systems to really package it all together and uh, leverage the technology as best we can to free up our time. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and for anyone listening to, if you haven't checked it out, um, I highly suggest one, just going and looking at Zapier's, uh, or Zapier's blog or, or checking it out because there will come a time when it comes in handy. Although uh, this for me is an interesting one because I really like like fiddling with this stuff and like connecting things. And I realized eventually like, ah, this, it falls under what Grant was telling us. Like I need to find my like highest, uh, you know, leverage and me creating these apps was not it. Yeah. I need someone <laughs> else to do that as much as I love doing it. So I ended up teaching someone and I still go in from time to time just be based on my experience. I can generally fix it. But, uh, all of that to say, if you haven't done this, uh, it's great to me. It kind of goes back to, again, what I was talking about with calendar, putting links in there. It may not seem like a lot because sometimes you're just saving a minute or two or even maybe 30 seconds. But when these accents are repeated, right, over tens, dozens, hundreds, thousands of times, the, the time savings really adds up and uh, lets these tools talk to each other, which is really important. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. I mean, if it saves you two minutes a day, that's really material. I mean, that, that's important over the course of a year. Yeah, and I think it, it's, it's time savings, but it's also the mental overhead, right? Of that, like, switching yeah. of like, oh, well, I was doing my marketing, but now I need to go, you know, connect some service and do something for two minutes and then get back to what I was doing. Or, yeah. Totally. Yeah. It, it, it allows you to get in the groove. And I forget what the, the um, popular term is. Flow state. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, it sounds good. We'll go with that. Flow so, state. Or like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, lots of <laughs> works works for me but yeah it, it it it's it preserves headspace is is what we found it, it is it, and I'll, I'll caution listeners who are, are not terribly tech savvy mm -hmm. i have talked to a lot of people who have thought that it's overwhelming looking at it and it can be at first but it's it's basically uh if this happens then do that yep. and you're you're just starting from there and allowing your stuff to talk to each other. Which I've got to put a uh, plug in for another tool. If, if we're saying if this, then that. So I have to yeah. be, well, you know, uh, maybe a little bit simpler, and but more limited in scope. So I generally yeah, recommend Zapier for, for any of this automation stuff. Cool. Um, well, how, let's see. I'm trying to think about some more automations. Um, is there anything else like with your team, um, you know, that they have uh, done maybe, uh, as you're growing a team, is there something they brought up to you and that, you know, now your team is starting to automate things or how have you dealt with that? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good question. And something that we've kind of struggled with over, over the years is you want to workflow as much as possible, mm -hmm. but you don't want to over workflow because then you try to jam stuff into that process, into that workflow that might not directly fit. And, it just it just doesn't work. It is certainly possible to overdo it. 
And so we've, we've kind of been conscious of that. And the way we start with this stuff is if, if there's something happening that's happening over and over and over again that we need to do, we want to build a workflow for it. And the way that we go about that is the, the three of us just kind of get together and whiteboard it out. And then someone on the team, or usually it's not me, is putting those pieces together in our uh, CRM system um, for us to use. And so, so high level, we've kind of agreed on why are we putting a process together for this? Well, it's because something needs to happen over and over and over again. So we want to have some logic uh, to, to uh, automate as much as possible. Um, how do we go about it? And then somebody else builds the actual steps. And then we tweet, you know, we fine tune it over time. Yeah. And the, the other, the other thing that the pitfall we've kind of fallen into there from time to time is putting, uh, building the steps in the system immediately before whiteboarding it out and actually going through that process before um, uh, uh, institutionalizing the workflow, saving it, and then using it, if that makes any sense. Um, definitely. Uh, I mean, I was thinking about that because I'm actually working on the workflow for this podcast to get a little bit meta, but, uh, yeah, for, you know, how I can do that. And I've learned, you know, gotten enough lumps on my head over the years that I, you know, just literally got out a piece of paper and drew out, okay, well, if I want the podcast, you know, to be put on the Facebook page, I want some blurbs taken out and done this, do this, uh, to first draw that out instead of ending up with like a Frankenstein uh, type of monster is generally the way to go. And especially I would think in your line of business where you're dealing with potentially sensitive information um, and, you know, things need to work right the first time, you don't want to kind of patch it together and have things fall apart on you. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's a good point. And, and that kind of goes into the what, what gets a workflow and what doesn't. Some things are very delicate and you you do not mess them up. It's, it's a, it's a huge downside for messing them up. So we just, usually I just handle that and we don't create a work, work workflow for it. Yeah. But absolutely still has to get done right. Yeah. The first time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm interested then, uh, and this is just more of a personal question and it can uh, revolve around the business though. But uh, as far as daily routine, um, are you a believer in kind of having a routine uh, as far as productivity? Yeah, I, I, that, that's, that's worked for me. I, I'm certainly a creature of habit like we all probably are. I, I, don't, I don't do any like miracle morning type stuff where I get up at four and sit in the cryogenic chamber for 20 minutes and then like meditate for an hour or any of that stuff. But, but I, I personally, I, I do like to have a consistent morning. Mm-hmm. I try to get, uh, I, I do try hard to get eight hours of sleep so my brain functions at full capacity. And I always like to get exercise in in the morning. And so a, a couple of years ago, I joined a really fancy gym uh, near where we live. And that kind of makes it easier to uh, make my way over to the gym. Um, but after doing it for like six weeks or so, it just becomes habit. And I, 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 do, I try to do little things like my routine the night before I go to bed I, I floss, I brush my teeth, I do a you know water pick thing, and then I pack my bag for the gym the night before, and I set out my work clothes as well. Nice. So when I get up in the morning, it's very easy to put on the clothes that I've set out the night before and then grab my bag and go, and it doesn't take any extra effort. 
I haven't gone so far as setting out my workout plan for the following day yet. Um, I, I do exercise pretty vigorously, but um, that, that's, a, that's a hole in the process for sure right now. Gotcha. Well, yeah, well, and that, and with being stuck more inside right now, I would say that that's kind of blown up probably. So. Yeah, yeah. Now, here, here's a question for you. What are, what are people doing to preserve their routines working from home? No, that's a good thing I've struggled with. Yeah, it, it's an interesting one and one I should probably hop more on top of because I talked to uh, one of my business partners and laughingly and a little sadly, you know, he said, I've been preparing apparently for this because I've just been living in a quarantine for like four years. And you know, I was like, oh, man, it's like, I guess I have too. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I, I really recommend to people uh, and I'm working on some videos about this if they're not uh, a creature of habit or they don't have a routine that like now is probably one of the best times uh, to start implementing that. And, and if you are, and you feel like you've fallen off now, such a good time to rekindle that because um, at least for myself and I see it in so many others that that routine kind of breeds success in whatever it is you're doing. You know, if you want to have a good day, start the day, right. You know, you're, I'm not going to say to anyone that that's going to guarantee it, but if you start your day, right, you know, at least you've got the chance at the momentum to kind of carry you through. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. It's it's such a it's such an interesting thing this this quarantine because the experience for everybody is totally different. And I can tell you we have two young boys and my wife is pregnant with our third right now. It is hard. It is really hard. And and so I can't even envision trying to establish a new like healthy eating or exercise routine during all this because our our energy is stretched pretty thin and that dedication that it takes to establish those new routines we just don't have anything to spare right now. Yeah. But a lot of people are, are pretty bored at home and that's, you know, it can be a really good opportunity. Definitely. And I think that the one important thing like any uh, is to remember instead of saying, well, you know, I need to get up, I need to pack, I need to go to the gym. I'm going to start flossing every morning and do 10 other things. It's like, nope, just do one thing. And once you got yeah. it down, add it on. Right. And, and, and I speak just from experience of like, Oh, having to realize that like, why do I keep failing at some of these things? Like, Oh, that's right. I'm trying to do five things. Like just do one. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's a really good point. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to get over ambitious and bite off more than you can chew. Yeah. Guilty. So uh, <laughs> let's go back to the exercise part. Uh, has this always been a thing for you where you, you know, you found that exercise in the morning was the way to go for you or, or is this something that's kind of evolved? No, it was, it was kind of an interesting transition. So I, I mentioned earlier in, in my former life, it was more of a trading desk desk experience. And that was in um, Denver originally. And then in San Francisco. Okay. And when you, when you work trading hours on the West coast, you're in really, really early. Yeah. So my alarm went off at like 3.20 in the morning when I was doing that uh, in the Bay Area. And I was at work by 4.30 every day. Wow. The benefit is that you're out, you know, when the, there's not a whole lot of work to be done after the bell rings and um, the, the trading day is over. So we were out by 1 or 1.30 about every day. So as you can imagine, I'm not getting up at like two in the morning to do my exercise routine <laughs> in that scenario. Yeah. Uh, but I did get in the habit of I get home from work, you change your clothes, and then you exercise as soon as you get home. And because you work odd hours, there's not very much traffic. There's nobody at the gym in the early afternoon. Uh, so it's, it's, it's pretty easy to work that in, into the routine. Um, so when I, when I started the financial planning firm in 2014, that was tossed on its head because now the, the number of hours I'm working throughout the week to get the thing 
going and off the ground were a lot more than what I was doing previously. And it, it more closely resembled, you know, your typical eight to five or eight, eight to six kind of day. So it was, it was an adjustment, but I, I found that I really like that rush and, and just getting the blood pumping and vigorous exercise really makes me feel better and it helps my brain function better. And I, I want that, that stimulus and injection and my body does uh, first thing in the morning. Yeah. And so it, it was an adjustment period, but doing those little things like setting your clothes out the night before and then, and then getting in the routine and the habit of, of making it happen uh, just makes it easier over time. Definitely. Yeah, I totally agree. And it, it's interesting. I used to work out around lunchtime and then um, just with some changing of my own schedule, I decided to try and go back to a morning uh, routine. And as a runner, um, that's been interesting. But uh, getting back into it, I definitely like it again. And not an extended workout by any means, but usually 30, 45 minutes. And just like it, it makes such a big change to my day. So if I now to the point where if I don't go for a run, I just go out the door for a walk and it may only be 10 minutes. Uh, but just getting up and moving has made a huge difference to me. Yeah. So, so you, you enjoy the exercise more when you do it in the morning than when you do it at lunchtime? I feel like, I'm not sure if I would say I enjoy it more, but I feel like I get more of a benefit like mentally from it. Mm. Yeah, definitely. I may feel a little uh, physically and even mentally at the beginning. And maybe it's definitely harder in the morning sometimes when I still feel a little tired, but after, you know, five or 10 minutes, that's gone. And then the benefits last for most of the rest of the day, I find. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, let's see with the eight hours of sleep, I've got to follow up on this. So I think that's something most people can agree that they would like to do. Um, is there anything else that, you know, you found that helped you do that? Or do you just kind of have a set time and say, well, I know if I want to start my day at X hours in the morning, then I'm going to go ahead and do that, uh, you know, flossing and water pick and all that. And is that kind of just your routine to get you, get you moving? Yeah. And, and I have to caveat that because since, you know, I'm working out of the home, home office, like, like we're talking about, this has all been kind of thrown on its head and I've been staying up a little bit later than I, I probably should. Mm -hmm. But our, our kids are fortunately at, at these ages and they're, they're almost two and four, their birthdays are very close together. So they're, they're almost, they're going to be two and four this summer. And we sleep trained both of them, like, like newborns, you know, the first six months are just crazy. They, there's no sense of schedule and it's really, really hard, but we sleep trained both of them. And now they, they sleep really well and really consistently. They're both up about 6am on the nose. And that's helpful for us to have some kind of routine for, for them because mm -hmm. then we can uh, uh, bake in our own routine around that. Yeah. And, so, and so I just back up that 6 a.m. By, by eight hours and say, look, I, it, the business is going to be more successful if I'm fresher and rested and my brain is functioning at its highest capacity. And getting eight hours of sleep is really important for that. So I need to get in, in bed TV off by 10 p.m. the night before. Yeah. Doesn't always happen, you know, especially recently, but that's the, that's the objective. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's like a lot of things. It's just consistency, right? It doesn't mean a hundred percent or zero. So yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I'm going to circle back around, but thing on the health thing, I saw something uh, that I really thought I got a good laugh of, uh, at least from your uh, Twitter feed. And so you said that the jobless claims chart looks a lot like my carb intake over the last six weeks. And uh, oh. <laughs> imagine there's a large spike. Um, so this is something I've been uh, dealing with. And also, you know, I'm at home anyways, but 
but I find myself now here. Um, I'm spending even more time inside. My wife is here as well. And, you know, we've definitely like had to work on maintaining our, our eating habits with greater and lesser success, depending on the day. But uh, we're going back to the idea of like, oh, maybe we just need to limit how much we're bringing into the house, um, you know, because that seems to be kind of the root cause and we want to head it off at the pass. So, have you uh, had any ideas or, or anything like that? Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, and, and I'm usually pretty good at eating healthy and I make vegetable based smoothies like once or twice a week and then have those for breakfast and lunch. And so I'm, I'm consuming a lot of, uh, a lot of spinach, a lot of kale, you know, your leafy green stuff. I, I just, I just want that to comprise a fairly large portion of what I eat throughout the week. Now, like everything, this has just been thrown on its head recently because I'm, I'm trying to work out of the home office with two kids banging on the door behind me all day. My wife is pregnant. She's super nauseous too. So it, we're, we're, the dinners we're eating are basically whatever she thinks she can get down. And so th that means that, you know, we're ha I'm having like a bagel for breakfast every morning instead of this spinach based healthy thing. Um, we're having a lot of like frozen pizza and stuff and whatever we could, you know, we're getting from the grocery store. And so it's, it's slipped a lot recently, but, but ordinarily, um, if I can find two, maybe like 30 or 45 minute windows throughout the week to just make these like eight or 10 little plastic containers worth of spinach drink, I, I'm good because that'll, that'll get me by for breakfast and lunch. And then my wife does most, most of the cooking. And so dinners are, are usually relatively healthy. So that, I, I think that'll kind of resettle itself once she gets out of the first trimester here and the nausea starts to go away. But uh, it's, it's just been um, a corn of cornucopia of stuff thrown at us at one time. <laughs> you know, with the uh, shelter in place quarantine stuff, you guys have got kind of a double whammy going on there. Yeah, it, it's, it's been challenging. Gotcha. All right. So uh, one more about this. I'm interested. Um, I feel like this relates to productivity uh, in the sense of, of helping people plan because I find that like anything, any when we plan, we generally have a better outcome. Um, so what is something that basically anyone, regardless of how successful they are in terms of financial planning, like what should people be doing that you find a lot of people don't do? I think I think the most basic thing that you can do is, especially if you, if you're married or have a significant other, is just have a conversation about what's important to you, and what you want to do long term, and then just take an objective look at what you're doing from a financial standpoint and try to make the determination of whether that's helping you or taking you off track relative to your values and what you really want to do. And a, a, a pretty basic example of that is if you're 40 and you, your job is okay, but it's not too fulfilling, you want to do something else and you know you don't want to be working forever, mm -hmm. well, it's pretty obvious you're going to have to start parking some money away so that you don't have to work until your last breath. So you have some sa some saved to, to to retire on at some point, and spending less than you make after taxes is a pretty important part of that. Um, it's one of those things like time blocking, like we were talking about earlier, that conceptually is really basic, mm -hmm. but it's very hard to execute. And especially when you have 
couples and all those relationship dynamics, trying to work through that one-on-one can be really, really hard. And uh, shameless plug for the financial planning community, um, having an objective practitioner who can kind of lead that discussion and, and just be a third party sounding board to give everybody, you know, the safe space that they need and, and kind of guide the discussion um, around a, a, a set of open-ended questions and just let everybody elaborate on what's important to them and what they want to get out of it is, is just tremendously beneficial in the long term. The, the, the steps of what you actually do financially um, become really logical and start to fall into place on their own after you have those conversations about where are we at right now? What do we want to do? And what's it going to take to get there? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I appreciate it to you saying that though. I think, um, you know, like a lot, you know, most things, a good communication, even with yourself, just understanding, you know, where you want to be going. So at least then if you do need to make changes that may seem tough, like, you know, reducing your spending or something, at least you know that it's going towards the goal that you really want. Yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly right. And, and, you know, if, if you're, if you're just looking at your budget, hey, I've got you know ten thousand dollars a month coming in. Um, I've got eleven thousand dollars a month going out. And I know I need to make some changes. Well, if you don't have any context there about why you're making those changes and what those changes will enable you to do long term, then it, it ain't going to happen. You know, but but if if you have a career objective or if you want to start a business or grow a bit or or, or do anything in your life that that mission, that vision, that objective is going to fuel your ability to make those, those changes in real time. Gotcha. Makes sense. Well, we got time for uh, just a couple more questions. Uh, and one of them I'd like to ask you, um, I believe you said you started the business in 2014, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So a little bit more than five years ago. Um, so if you could go back to that point, what would you kind of tell yourself um, in terms of either building a team, uh, your own productivity, your time management that you think will kind of give you the biggest boost or, or save you some blood, sweat, and tears? I, th- I think I would be more aggressive in finding a way to recruit help on the team at an earlier stage. And especially in, in any kind of professional services, certainly financial planning, it's, it's, not, it's not like a, a tech product that scales, you know, really, really rapidly where all of a sudden you have like millions of users and the revenue, revenues are off the charts. Yeah. Every single client you take on is a personal relationship and takes a while to build and make sure that you're, you're fostering and growing in the right way. And, and so there's zero revenue on day one. It's really, really hard in the first couple of years. Not only are you not paying yourself, you're, you're going out of pocket just to keep the thing open. And then at some point, uh, there's an inflection point and, and, and you start paying yourself and it starts to grow. And then you have a little bit of extra funds to throw around to hire people. I, I think I would have tried to be more uh, aggressive in hiring people and delegating to them at an earlier stage because it can be done very inexpensively, you can get, you know, virtual assistance in the U.S. or abroad to do a lot of the stuff that I was spending time on for you. And a lot of it, I, I think, goes back to uncertainty about whether the thing was going to work and just being really tight over the budget and just being really tight over the, the operations and, and not wanting to give up control. But it's 
not only is it an opportunity to clear up your schedule and make yourself a little bit more effective at the stuff that you are focusing on, but you bring another brain in, into the whole thing. And, you know, you're, you're not the best person for each of these tasks that you do throughout the week. And, and being able to find people who are better at those tasks than you uh, just really, really helps the organization. There's a lot yep. of synergy there. Yeah, I think that's a really great advice. And um, I'm sure for myself, I know that's something that's like ongoing, right? You kind of get to one level and then it's like, oh man, I could have done it this way better and I need to be faster next time. But yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I've just had a discussion with one of my business partners about this. And it's like, yeah, kind of like opening or taking off the blinders. And I was like, man, I thought we were doing good. Like we can do so much better next time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you, don't, you don't know what you don't know. And then you get a little taste of it and Oh man, it just opens your eyes. Yeah, it's amazing. Good, good advice. Um, all right, so last question for you. Uh, what book or just general media do you find yourself recommending the most to people? It can be productivity, it could be quantum physics, it could be whatever you want. Quantum physics is so far over my pay grade that uh, I won't even start to go down that road. Uh, two, two books I've, I've read in the last like six months that I thought have been really, really good. Um, I would be surprised if they've not been mentioned on your show already, but uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear oh, yeah. was really, really good. And to your point earlier of not biting off more than you can chew and, you know, not only the importance of establishing good habits and getting rid of bad habits, but how do you actually do that um, was, was really eye-opening. And he had a lot of ideas that I just never thought of before. The second is uh, Principles by Ray Dalio. I, I thought that was really, really sharp. And, and his ability to distill a lot of things that he's encountered in his career into really pretty simplistic ideas uh, was very helpful. And, and, and that framework of being, uh, I forget how he frames it, but aggressively candid and aggressively open-minded um, really resonated with me. Definitely. Yeah. Those are two great book recommendations. I finally got around to reading Atomic Habits not uh, too terribly long ago and really liked the way uh, on top of the message, which is fantastic. And I like, but I like the structure too, where he discusses it and then you get a little bit of action. Uh, and you know, it's not just, Hey, here's the idea behind all this. You, you know, you can really implement it. And then yeah, principles kind of blew my mind um, when I read that. Yeah. That, yeah. Fantastic. So, yeah, Ray Dalio gets gets a bad rap as an evil hedge fund guy, <clears throat> and he's made a lot of money in his career by investing in those kinds of things. But um, I, I and I don't know him, but uh, I'm of the belief that he's a good dude and he's he's trying to do good things for the world and um, leave the world in a better place than it was in when he arrived. And um, yeah, and clearly I, I really he understands that. how to motivate people and uh, to, to create systems that, that work very well. So yeah, yeah, certainly. Well, cool. Well, Grant, thank you so much uh, for being on. I really appreciated talking to you. I know everyone listening is going to get a lot out of this. We covered a lot of ground. So, um, you know, where can people go if they want to find out more about you and what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Thank, thanks for having me on, Adam. This is this has been really fun. Uh, my, you can check out my firm's website. It's Three Oaks Capital Management. Number three, oakscapital.com. Uh, my, I have a blog and a podcast myself. The blog is Above the Canopy. The podcast is called Grow Money Business. Um, and I do a little bit of social. You pointed out I'm I'm on Twitter kind of sporadically, but it's at gsbledsoe. B l e d s o e is my uh, Twitter handle. 
outstanding. Well, go check them out. Highly recommend it. If nothing else, um, uh, I had a good time looking at some of the pictures on your Twitter feed. I'm definitely going to be following uh, between the charts. And then I saw, uh, it's hard to do on the podcast if people can't see it, but I saw the, the uh, toddler proofing you did at your home office. And it's oh, yeah. really like, a, not a moat, but a gate around his desk. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've got the whole, I'm sitting at a card table here in front of my laptop and a, and a desktop kind of side by side. And I, I put a baby gate around it. and. Um, the next installment is going to be some electric fence or barbed wire or something across the <laughs> Wait till they're teenagers and then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. Thank you, Grant. Yeah. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Real World Productivity Podcast. If you know someone that would enjoy this episode, please grab the link and send it via email, message, or whatever means works best. Now, if you're looking for more ways to increase your productivity, time management, and team building skills, be sure to go to productivity.academy resources to find out what tools, cheat sheets, and services can get you started and make the most impact right now. For those who want to make fast changes and want to save dozens of hours, I highly recommend joining the 14-day Productivity Foundation Challenge at productivity.academy foundation challenge. This 14-day challenge takes minutes per day but will help you develop or improve your daily review to get more done with less distractions and loss of focus. You'll also get over-the-shoulder directions for setting up an automation to save dozens of hours and the process for deciding what else you should automate and how to do it. And if you're serious about continuous improvement and you know that productivity, time management, and team building will impact every area of your personal and professional life, join us in the Growth Automation Membership. Find out more at productivity.academy/join.